Welcome to The Interim Whisperer, the show all about the future of work. My name is Isabella and this is Robin. Today's guest is Anna. You're going to tell me if I'm saying your name incorrectly, incorrectly, I hope. Anna Leal. That's fine. Uh, No, really. How do I say it? That's fine. Yeah, Leal. Who is the owner and founder of Amley Sustainability. Anna, welcome to The Intern Whisperer. Thank you, Isabella and Robin. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Oh, we are so excited. Our show is all about education, innovation, and and what does the future of work look like? You know, five years from now, really hard to think about because, you know, we're in COVID world now and we are just going, okay, what is it like just today? (laughs) And trying to figure those things out. But I'm going to let Robin kick off our first question and go ahead, Robin. Yes. So Anna, tell us about your educational background and professional experience that led up to the creation of your company, Emily Sustainability. So share your startup story with our listeners. Absolutely. Um, my background in is in product design. I uh, was designing consumer electronics for um, a large manufacturing company uh, up in Rochester, New York. And one day I realized that we were designing and bringing more products to the market. And I didn't know what were the effects of our designs and how they was going to affect the environment and the user. Um, I was concerned and I read a paper about electronic waste and how it was piling and leaking chemicals and heavy metals on our water and it was uh, improperly managed at the end of its life, causing some uh, toxic fumes. So I was really concerned and I said, well, as a designer, we only look at, you know, creating products that are um that are good for people and make better their life but we stop at the use phase so i was really puzzled about the end of life and i decided to make uh some career change i went into uh, the golisano institute for sustainability in uh, rochester institute of technology where i also get my master in industrial design but this time i went for another master there in uh sustainability I was at this engineering school where they just um, started a sustainability program. And I was one of the few uh, starting uh, to be trained in sustainability. And I think that changed my perspective and my, my professional career completely because I was learning the science. I was able to measure the impacts of my designs and I was able to make changes directly in the design phase. So by then, um, I was already um, empowered with so many tools, methodologies, strategies. Um, I started learning about environmental impacts, environmental uh, uh, social impacts around the supply chain, how we could make more uh, design conscious decisions, learning about energy in materials, carbon in materials. So, So many things that I was exposed to that I say, well, this is it. This is my passion. 
Um, after graduation, um, I went into SGS North America in uh, New Jersey, and I worked for this company as a sustainability consultant, where I had the opportunity to help global manufacturers work in different areas of their products, identifying uh, hotspots or environmental impacts, and providing them support to make them better and reducing all these issues related to energy, materials, waste, chemicals. So that, that was really a, a huge exposure to me. There were things that were evolving. We didn't spoke only about sustainability. We started speaking about the circular economy, how we can bring materials back into production where nothing will be wasted anymore, but we didn't want to have waste with chemicals that could cause pose concerns. So we need to clean the uh, needed to clean the um, the materials, the chemicals. So I, I started learning about chemistry in finding better materials and supporting suppliers, designers, manufacturers. So it was really amazing. And that circular economy mentality with my um, experience in sustainability opened to my mind an opportunity to start working more on other areas and especially on materials management, zero waste, but everything tied together from the design. So making better decisions at the design phase to avoid all these issues at the end of life. And this is how I decided to move on my own to explore more the waste um, issue, the chemicals issue, and how we could, from a design standpoint, prevent all these bad, um, bad issues, if you want, um, when we make products or manufacturers make products. I have a lot of questions that came up from just that, that narrative that you shared. Thank you for sharing it. So I can tell that you really like education a lot. I'm thinking that you're going to go even for a PhD at some point in time. Well, I... I um uh, I was in that, but um I realized that to me the um, the passion was in um applying the sustainability directly in the manufacturing and um so the PhD will took, uh, will probably take me to another uh, path, the research path, which is important in sustainability because it sparks innovation. but I decided to um go on a more applied path, which was the master com uh, and, and completed that path and then use that as an opportunity to enter industry quickly and learn what was happening in real um, industrial applications. Mm. So, um, you know, things have evolved and I didn't see necessarily the need to continue um, higher education because I had already two masters yeah, and, yeah, three total. And well, actually, wow. yeah, I had another one, but it's kind of an in-between with these two, but I, I continuously learn. I think learning has never stopped, but mm -hmm. I don't find myself right now getting another advanced degree. I, I actually have another certification that total resource use and efficiency, which is addressing waste um, at any point in manufacturing. So I think that as I found my passion and I combine this with design, you know, continuous education is really depending now uh, on you and how you evolve your skills to meet your goals. 
So you mentioned about um, cleaning up uh, energy. Uh, I used to work for the Nature Conservancy. I was there for two years. I'm a, you know, my territories were from Gainesville down to the Keys, and I had uh, five programs that I oversaw. So sustainability is really, you know, top of my my top five favorite things uh, to talk about for sure. That's why I was interested in what you were doing. And I also wanted to um, share, even with the Nature Conservancy, you know, while it's about land, it's also about water restoration um, and preserving whatever the natural habitat is. How do you go about cleaning up energy? Because I'm thinking if it's in water, I mean, we had to, you know, put sometimes chemicals in there to get it to go away, but we also had to put natural enzymes to help purify water, to change things around. We had coral reefs that were, you know, just dying and work to restore those. Um, but how do you, how do you clean up energy in the environment? Well, I don't, I don't know if that, that will be um, the right terminology, like clean, clean up energy. I think it's more using clean energy. Because the mm -hmm. thing with energy is that um, right now we know that we are so dependent on oil mm. and the oil has so many issues from drinking yes. to fumes and it's more about the type of energy that is used. Um, mm -hmm. So using more uh, solar, say natural wind. resources, solar, wind, geothermal, yeah. um, hydropower, but understanding also that there will be some side effects, but you know, as, as a renovation, we have to come up with technology that make our lives easier and use the resources without so much adverse effects. But at the same time, we start, we need to start thinking as well about the end of life of all these technologies, because as in the past, we have reached a, um, a plateau with, for instance, e-waste, all these electronic waste. And right now it's so problematic. So as we see a path to clean energy, um, photovoltaics, turbine wind, uh, electric vehicles, they also will have some impacts, but we need to be prepared on how to manage them at the end of life. So we don't want to have effects on now cleaner technologies that might be devastating in future generations. Mm -hmm. um, so that's from an, an energy standpoint. But if we think about more my, um, my role uh, supporting manufacturers and designers, we think on materials because they they have energy. So to make a material, mm -hmm. aluminum, steel, they have um, embodied energy, which is what we call um, an energy that is, say, encrypted within that particular material. So that makes a material more valuable because it has consumed so much energy to make it um, as a raw material from extraction to manufacturing that this is why we, it's so important the circular economy because we don't wanna, we wanna keep that energy in that material flowing back in the economic circle so that it can be reused multiple times um, in different industrial applications. So one of the things that I had learned is like, you know, our phones, I'm gonna demonstrate our phones. They have materials in here that, um, I guess they're mined from the earth is what I believe I understood it. And that is a resource that is a sort, you know, it's energy and it's used to build the phone and to make it work. But it's also in so many of our electronic devices. 
And, and I don't know if that's what your area of specialty is, but I'm just throwing it out there. And I went, I, I never knew that there was actually something that was mined and, and used in my phone, hmm. as well as in my computers and my TV. Um, so that's really significant. And I don't think that there's, I don't think I'm the only person that doesn't know that. I don't know that. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. people, and we, we take so much for granted with our electronic devices that, you know, they're out there and they actually can produce waste. It's not just the plastic, but it's actually what's in those batteries and makes it all work. Yes, exactly. Yeah, electronics are um, one of those products that we really want to bring back to a recycler facility mm -hmm. because batteries are toxic. So if they are not pro properly managed, they can release uh, toxins to water and then to the environment if improperly managed. In um, the other issue with electronics is the amount of precious metals contained to make them work. So to make a semiconductor, we have uh, titanium, we have gold with silver, uh, there's copper, uh, there is one um, mineral that is called coltan, which is really um, scarce and it's mined in areas of conflict. So or all those things to make one electronic will take into consideration because you know we are speaking about the issues around the supply chain. How, for instance, to get the coltan, uh, it's a mineral of conflict because if you go to Africa, uh, there is um, child labor in slavery to get this mineral to be provided to uh, the supply chain. So today manufacturers, big manufacturers will have to supply from <laughs> sources that provide them with um, or give them you know, uh, proof that they are and they can be accountable and they are not mining from areas where there is labor, uh, child labor or slavery. Mm -hmm. So it's it, it, it has really um, given us the opportunity to think about what's coming in that supply chain and how the impacts not only in the environment but socially what impacts are what impacts are involved in making a product same with you are textile. absolutely right yeah and when you mentioned the precious metals i went yeah that was it that was the thing and i had heard about this i think it was about like four years ago i went to a recycling plant i had visited one where they actually you know strip out of computers, laptops, phones, whatever it is, um, TVs, those precious metals. And I'm really glad you're using all of the terminology. It's flooding back into my head. I'm going, oh yeah, that is exactly it because that's significant. And the whole social side of it, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because I don't think we as Americans, I don't think we really think about how how did the product get to us? It's kind of like, how did that hamburger get to me, right? <laughs> you know, it's the same thing. How did my right. package of macadamias get to me? There's a process, that supply chain, and it does impact. I get to enjoy the, the fun side of anything, whether it's a phone or macadamias, but there's a cost that somebody yeah. could be taking on their health or on their environment to get me something that makes my life easier. And I, I really think I'm so That's right. because I think raising awareness is going to be something that helps people to think, you know, again, like, do I really need this new phone? 
can I just, you know, use the phone I have for instead of changing it out every year? Can I just use the phone I have instead of going, oh, I have to get this or I have to get this new TV or whatever? Mm -hmm. Environment. Right. Well, there is some. Go ahead. There's also another issue with uh, planet obsolescence of electronics, for instance, where manufacturers would like to have their products being sold, um, say, every two years. So they have already planned for your device to be obsolete. And that's oh, yeah. bad for the environment. That's why today we learned that there could be some opportunities for repurposing, refurbishing, remanufacturing, um, reusing. So this is really important. So in a, in a, it's, it's about education. It's about mm-hmm. learning about the choices in how things are done. This is why when I say, well, I learned what what was the issue with e-waste and I, yes, in a way I changed my career because I wanted to be more conscious of how I was designing. And mm-hmm. at some point I stopped making the actual design and I changed it to make support the others that were doing designs with um, data, with information and with analysis so that they could make more um, informed decisions and better decisions to avoid all these issues. So yeah. it doesn't happen from yeah. one day to the other. It takes time, but I think we're seeing more progress around the world. And in the U.S., it's it's different. It has come with time, but I see more commitment from private industry. And I would say that there is a tremendous opportunity right now with what's coming for 2021 in uh, what we see in the world with the great movement of climate change how it has impacted our daily lives. You know, we pay more in electricity bills, hurricanes, uh, devastating countries and cities. So we're seeing more more now than before and how these issues are becoming relevant. And we have to take our own um, career to to resolve these, these global pressure pressing issues. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give a little shout out to Avalon Park and Avalon Innovation. Uh, you're one of the winners also as is Intern Pursuit, and that's how we met. So I'm really grateful to Avalon to be in the program with 20 other, 27 other great companies that are changing things in the world for the better. Um, I also wanted to ask you, like, what are the services? So you're in this consulting space, but you're wanting to scale it, make it bigger. So tell us about the services that you provide with Amley Sustainability. Yeah, so my area of work has focused mostly on manufacturing. I look at materials. So my services really look at how we can improve the design. Um, So it's supporting designers to evaluate all the design components, uh, creating those methodologies that will be uh, implemented for them to to have results and identify where they can be changes across the design. So these methodologies will result in documents that will be used for eco-labels. So once I do the analysis, then it could become a documentation or report for them to obtain an eco-label for their product or to make a green validation. So we'll be supporting them throughout that process. Also making uh, or redesigning their products so that 
we can see significant changes and improve the environmental um, profile of a product and have them um, obtain their sustainability and business goals because most, most of them today come to what their business are asking to improve. And um, so that's kind of the eco-design service, if you will. Um, now we have materials. That's something that I've been um, developing lately because that this is where the market is moving. So uh, from eco-design, then we move into focusing on materials. What's the chemistry, how the chemistry has um, potential hazards or risks and then identifying those materials that will need optimization to work with the supply chain. So that material becomes safer and is healthier to, to be used in products and then be specified. Um, so that, that's kind of another documentation, a quick analysis of a screening of materials and then providing these documents for manufacturers to be able to have them their materials and products specified by others. Um, and then the, the other thing about materials is providing a solid waste assessment because we don't want to have materials wasted in the landfill. We want to see how we can avoid from design and how we implement uh, strategies. So I'm supporting with um, zero waste strategies from the design in particular, but it could also look into the processes, manufacturing processes and any other process to identify inefficiencies and opportunities for them to, to turn waste or pollution into profits. So I remember when we were taking a tour of where we're gonna be, be working out of, you had asked if there was a lab. And um, I'm trying to picture like, what does the lab look like that you would use? Is it filled with beakers? And are you doing like, you know, there's like various chemicals in there that you mix or what does that look like? Um, well, let me tell you something a little bit um, about the idea of a lab. Um, when I moved to Orlando, Florida two years ago, I was an ambassador for a, a global organization. It's called the Circular Economy Club. And it's intending to educate um, society on what, what circularity is. Not everyone understands what, what circular economy is. And it really comes to innovation at the design phase so that we can keep our materials and resources, but cleaner material and safer material and resources circulating back in the economy. So I was the ambassador and my tasks, if you will, is to promote and, and engage the community on activities that relate to circular economy. So it really um, connects with my design background and my consulting background and, and the missing piece there was the lab, because mm. when I speak about design, sustainability, and circular economy, the connection has to be creating different circular solutions. So my lab, or the lab that I'm envisioning, and I kind of started mentoring some groups um, already on that, is developing uh, products, materials, or solutions that are circular, like um, using organic matter, matter to create compostable packaging. Uh, that was one group that I mentored. Um, using uh, plastic waste to become some uh, products for maybe the building industry and replace wood. Um, using some leaves uh, in some local um, 
organic matter to, to create some uh, other products. So it's really more about hands-on uh, new products from waste and how we can uh, resolve some of the issues and let be less dependent on virgin materials because we have so many uh, resources already flowing in the economy that we can recover and repurpose for new uh, products. So that's my lab. That's the idea of the lab that I, that I like to develop. Yeah, your lab sounds like it's got, um, you go outside as well as you bring what's outside in to be able to um, study it better and, and manipulate it to be something that is an improvement. I guess. It is and it requires collaboration. Mm. So, um, you know, we, you can be an expert in everything and I do have some expertise, but I do also need uh, support from say a college like Valencia College uh, mm -hmm. that has a, a huge manufacturing and additive manufacturing program, advanced That's manufacturing. I will not be able to turn the plastic waste into uh, benches because I don't know the technology that I need. So in that we need collaboration. And the good thing about that is that it can also create jobs because it is an opportunity for innovation and new entrepreneurs and you know, using technology to turn waste into profit. That's pretty much yeah, right. All those plastic bags that we use when we go to the grocery store, they get melted down and turned into, um, whether it's a bench like what you're mentioning, um, it can be turned into playground equipment. Everything that we have is plastic. It's uh, amazing what can be, yeah. you know, but what is, what I also found out when I was doing some research is a lot of those recycling centers are not necessarily in the US, they're outside in other countries. So they package it all up, they ship it to the country, it gets transformed and then comes back as something that's hopefully reusable for us in our own country. It would be good, I think, if we had those manufacturing processes or plants here. And if you need an introduction to Valencia, let me know. I had been the business advisory board chair for three years and I pull from all of those campuses, uh, interns for to work with employers. So I know I've had a tour of the manufacturing plant. It's phenomenal. Um, and I know those people there. So I'm happy to make that introduction if you need that'll it. Be, that would be fantastic because I think the community will really benefit from creating more jobs in manufacturing, mm -hmm. but not the traditional manufacturing because we want to move from the linear, uh, you know, take materials, make products and waste. We mm -hmm. want to go into a circular economy where we take, make and recirculate back. Yeah, we should always make it better than when we took it out. Yes. Watch a lot of that. It's totally unrelated, but um, a lot of the animal shows too. And I was learning about how the endangered species, they have um, taken eggs and sperm and plants, seeds, everything, so that if the, the world were to go like go down, you could repopulate with all of those resources. Yes. Well, you touched on another very important point that is growing in the design and sustainability community because it is called biodesign. And mm -hmm. in what it is is taking functionality from um, biology, from animals, from nature, and transfer that into how products will function. So it's not looking at just the, the shape, but is looking at the functionality, how nature, the perfect of 
I'll say the perfect function of nature and make that into um, industrial products. And that biomimicry or biomimesis is growing so much is another area um, where I think it's fascinating that we could create products uh, from nature. So Robin, you have a question. Yes, so I've researched on your website, which is amelysustainability.com, that you work with your uh, business partner named Jaime Abondano. Um, yep. uh, can you tell us about your partnership with him? Yeah, um, so Jaime, he just happened to be my husband. And the oh, reason okay. why, <laughs> yeah, why okay. he's engaged is because he has experience in construction and uh, he's been, he in the past, he did work in some projects on uh, green design. And he also was involved in early stages of uh, a project for one of the largest green building certifications, leadership in energy and environmental design did. So he has this background on, you know, architecture and uh, construction. And he has a lot of, ideas about how our built environment will be from um, a natural standpoint and, and engaging all the elements from design to sustainability. So he's, it's kind of um, a branch that we're trying to develop in my, my consulting where he will be branching out to uh, supporting me with more of the facilities in, in building or built environment. Uh, and the reason why is because when uh, we moved to Orlando, I found out that the construction area was growing and booming in Orlando. And there was so many opportunities for sustainable buildings and sustainability overall on, on the green building sector here in Orlando. So I think as I see my consulting growing, he's gonna be a fundamental piece for me to uh, develop those services on the green building um, I saw something that was interesting about glass and they were doing it in New York. Um, so tons of glass was coming into a entertainment venue and people could go in there and they could um, put it in a sling, if you will, and shoot it across the room, kind of like you're trying to hit a, mm -hmm. a yeah, for real. <laughs> and you were trying to hit a target. And if you could get the big bottle of glass to go and hit the target, it's just like where you could go and release your frustrations because you're smashing glass. It's in a contained area where it was safe. They take all of that crushed glass and then they can recycle it. And I thought that was really pretty clever, honestly. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it's good. Glass. It's glass. So. We're, go, we're good for anything that can be um, reused right now. I don't know if you have heard about Loop. It's so popular right now. And Loop started really about, well, um, TerraCycle actually is the parent company. It started um, probably 12 years ago, because I recall when I live in New Jersey and working, that was already established. And it really came, well, became popular about five years ago and now they have this loop system where they provide reusable packaging containers and you can buy products online so they will ship to your home 
then once they are consumed, you just uh, send them back. They will sanitize in there we go. You can refill it again and, and use that. So all these new, um, you know, consumer systems are slowly changing the way that we um, we do our or receive our products or, or uh, the things that we consume. But I think it's important that we adopt these new um, ideas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've had um, the opportunity. I created a business plan for a gentleman that was doing recycling in apartment communities and he was setting that up. So I learned a lot about that waste management, like I was saying before about the you know precious metals that you were sharing. Um, <clears throat> but I've also learned by having these conversations with other businesses, we did one on the future of beauty products and we learned about, well, what's going on with all of the packaging that's in beauty products, right? Because they can make those packages look pretty but then what happens to it? You know, when you have a really beautiful bottle, you know, where, where does that go? You know, they're not refillable, you know, where you could just order something and keep it in the same bottle. That would be a really good thing to do, I think. And that whether it's your lipstick, you know, you could have it in a little container versus the tube, because when you put it in the tube, those aren't recyclable. They just yeah. run away. Hmm. Correct. Yeah, these are all the things that people should think about when they're buying things, you know. Um, anyway, one of the other things that, you know, I was looking at is I, I wanted to see how is globally, how is sustainability um, trying to trying to be in a, trying to pull nations together, trying to get us all on the same page as we are in countries. And so I came across about the United Nations. They had 17 sustainable development goals um, to be able to help the rich and the poor countries. So I was really inspired by that. And they listed these 17 areas that they wanted to really truly impact and make the world better. Um, you and I had looked through the list and it was responsible consumption and production. So it, it leads right into there that tube of tube stick, I mean that tube of lipstick and how we need to be responsible with how we're using it, but also how we're getting rid of it the other thing that I had also read is, you know, toothpaste packaging, the tubes themselves, they're, you know, they're really hard on the environment. So in the grocery store, no, it was in Target, I saw, um, and I saw this on a Facebook video too. So instead of having toothpaste in tubes, they have it in capsules, you put it in your mouth, you brush your teeth, and then you don't have any of the same packaging. So anytime the packaging can be recyclable or uh, disposed of, you know, in a responsible way, that's great. But, you know, when you're brushing your teeth and you're spitting it out and it goes in the sink, it's like, it still goes in your water. So everything we do has an impact. And I just wanna be able to, you know, get your thoughts on that. The how, how do you feel that responsible consumption and production should, should be improving? What would that look like moving forward? Okay, so the first thing to me is to provide the right skills for designers because everything can start from design, but mm -hmm. also upper management. Um, you know, as long as management is not committed, uh, there, is, there is no future for the business to go sustainable. So it really starts with commitment from um, 
the CEO or upper management in yes. general, and then yes. uh, trickle down to um, those decision makers, which are typically the designers or marketers, or, and then empowering them with the right tools to measure. As long as we don't understand that we have to measure to be able to keep down the impact, it's it's not going to happen because um, you know a designer cannot be a scientist, and I was in that way. Like I'm a designer, I'm a no longer a designer, I'm a, a sustainability specialist. But there is a point where you can merge it too, and that's kind of my 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 goal that I can uh, help them bridge the two worlds. So they need to really understand that throughout their design process, they can change things. They can make better decisions, but they need to understand how to do it, how to make those decisions and use the right tools, learn about all these um, sustainability metrics and how things can be changed. And then working with suppliers. Supply chain is key because even if a designer is trained and it has the most sustainable product in mind, if there are no materials that can support this design, there is no um a positive outcome so it's a combination of these the different stakeholders and it's um a collaborative effort but, but it's really a commitment from everyone in accountability from every decision maker in the uh supply in in the manufacturing process uh -huh. um you know, we have to give them the right tools because obviously we don't want a designer to become a scientist, but there are quick um, metrics that they can implement. There are quick standards. So it's really education. It's really providing the solutions mm -hmm. and advancing, implementing technology. So all these things were seen, but of course we want to see it uh, accelerated. I think what has happened with COVID has been a big lesson for multiple manufacturers because they experienced a scarcity of materials. And that mm -hmm. scarcity was kind of a red flag for them to understand that if China is out of the question, they didn't have materials, the materials, uh, the price volatility during COVID was tremendous. So everything was so expensive, the, the shortage of plastics and paper so they started understanding that they, there needs to be um, a safer supply chain. There needs to be some local uh, suppliers. There needs to be traceability. We need to start tracing where the materials come from, where are they, um, where they can be found and have this data uh, for every manufacturer available. So we start kind of thinking globally, but applying locally to build these uh, stronger supply chains. Otherwise, manufacturers will be in trouble to, to provide and there won't be any sustainable circular and not even products. And we'll have to, as consumers, we'll have to face or be paying more uh, if a material is scarce. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like maybe when you start working with a company, you might be looking at the mission and the vision of the company. What are the values? So that it can pull everybody in that company together from the head, you know, the head leadership all the way down to the people that are working in the company. And then that obviously trickles out, not trickles, it should stream, honestly, I think, um, out into their marketing so that they're educating their, their consumer base. That's how, you know, op we can make the biggest impact. 
um, I am like totally on board with everything that you're saying and I'm going, I'm going to be one of your fans and I want to make sure that we're getting this message out because that when we talk about supply chain, it might sound like, oh, I don't, you know, that isn't anything that matters to me. But when it becomes a relatable story, like supply chain, how do you use your tube of toothpaste? Where did that tube of toothpaste come from? You know, there's product inside of it. There's the package that holds it. Then it goes onto the shelf, you know, and there's the cardboard package. Like, do we need all of these various packages? How could we make them recyclable or um, less invasive? So I am totally on with this. Um, I think you should do a TED talk also. I'm gonna throw that one out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I really like your, um, the topic and your passion behind it. So I'm gonna, I am on the TEDx leadership team. So if you need some tips on how to do a TED talk, let me know, I can help you with that too. That'll be fantastic. Think about, <laughs> you know, it's something to think about. <laughs> yeah, okay, so Robin, what's your next question? Um, so I want to know what was your most rewarding project you ever received that you could tell, um, like you made a big difference for them? Hmm, that's, um, that question is, uh, it's difficult for me to answer, but, um, there are so many projects that I felt that had a purpose and, and, and were great in the, uh, their goals. But um, I think one that was very interesting to me because it was challenging and I didn't know from the beginning if it was possible was to work on a certification for diapers. Uh -huh. um, yeah. yeah. Wow. Diapers are really problematic because you know, we just use a diaper and toss it in the garbage. but there is one uh, certification for products that is trying to make these products more circular from five criteria. Their material health, the use of renewable energy in low uh, carbon emissions, no impact to water, um, no impact to the, uh, we'll say the social side of making a product and um, making it circular or recyclable or repurposing. So this certification really covers five attributes that will make a design more robust and sustainable. And it was really interesting how a diaper could be recycled or what will, how it will, was gonna go to get this certification. And it was really going to happen. Um, so the challenge was in that particular part. Is it some, somewhere in the world, someone is recycling diapers? What's happening with all these diapers? Because you know they are really problematic. They peel up, uh, they, they go to our landfills and they uh, are creating a tremendous issue. But I found in Italy, a company that is um, working in sanitizing the diapers and separating the different materials so that they can go and repurpose um, the fibers. And that research allowed me to move this project forward. Um, what was interesting is that that company, it's processing diapers for Procter & Gamble. 
And this is the same kind of material that this manufacturer was using in the US to make their diapers. So because of those commonalities, we were able to, I was able to move this project forward. And after evaluating the design and finding out that diapers in fact could be recycled, then this, this um, manufacturer was able to obtain the certification for their diapers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, and I love that you use that example, diapers. I mean, people don't even think about that, but it's also the same whether it's feminine hygiene products. Just pick anything that you use. It could be a pencil, it can be your phone, whatever. There's always going to be positive and, and negative impacts that we experience. But diapers, um, there was a big movement, uh, I, I would say probably 10 years ago, where parents were going, no, we're going to use cloth diapers. We're not going to put diapers in the environment. So they were being really responsible and making sure that they were, you know, washing out the diapers and then recycling them or, you know, I guess recycling, we'll say recycling, but um, really using everything responsibly. And I would love to know, I I don't think that there's a big movement for that anymore. Um, I think because so many people like convenience of having things delivered to them. I don't know how responsible parents are now at this point in time where they go, oh, I'm gonna make sure I'm saving my planet versus having convenience, right? And again, it's always about educating, oh gosh, there are so many companies that we all need to be just raising awareness to. So you, your voice is going to be really important along with all of the others that do the same great work of discussing recycling and repurposing and just not throwing everything into the trash or the water or burning it into the air. It's just everything has an impact. Yeah. Yeah. The week learning I think is you know my message is that there has to be change in the design phase because mm-hmm. we if we continue designing as I was designed in the past we are not enabling these opportunities mm-hmm. yeah and I could even see like how do we take out because I can't see uh, parents going okay I'm going to have a separate uh, recycling trash bag for diapers right I'm just not seeing that happen and then how do we separate all of that glass and they have mixed recycling at this point in the homes and you know it gets sorted at the the trash wherever the trash yeah center is um but that's really something to think about and if if they were able to create products in such a way that it either is biodegradable you know it just breaks down automatically you don't have to worry about that or it's less harmful. I even saw something on Facebook, it was years ago, how in India they had a, a uh, utensils, instead of using plastic, they made them out of edible materials. So it could have been some kind of a root and then they just dried it out, compressed it, it became a fork and then they could eat the fork. It was like, I went, really? No oh my God, there's like, yeah, there really are. There's like really right. people huh. out there. But it has happened. Uh, because the leadership, I will say government, has a lot to do with these type of solutions. So if you think in Sweden, Sweden, I think, is the number one country that has claimed has almost zero waste. Yeah. And that has been due to the development of technology. Um, 
Holland and, and the Netherlands is actually another one that develops most of the technology to make these uh, new circular economy solutions. And, mm -hmm. it, you know, it, it's really possible when uh, government, government leadership um, supports industry and innovation. And I think what has pleased me about um, Orlando and the community here is that we have great leadership in that um, with the mayor and the sustainability director, things have moved uh, forward. And, you know, in, I'll say that it's, it's positive uh, the way that Orlando it's, it's moving in, into being one of the greenest cities of America because it not only touches on infrastructure, renewable energy, now with electric vehicles and transportation and um, you know innovation. I think they open up opportunities to new um, education, um, new companies, new business ideas around solving the climate crisis. But looking at climate crisis as an opportunity for new um, businesses in innovation. Without that leadership, I don't think that we will be anywhere because there needs to be money coming from grants, funding, uh, incentives, credits, and that can only happen from the government. Yeah, there's another person I know. Now, you know Chris Castro, correct? Yes. Okay, I do too. He's he's a great guy. Um, but there's another gentleman and it's... Um, the name of the organization is Ideas for Us. I don't know if you've heard about them, have you? Yes, Clayton and, and uh, Lee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, I was gonna make sure that you knew them also because I would say, oh, let me introduce you over there to um, Ideas for Us. That's a really great place for you to be. Um, last year, they made a whole movement to eliminate um, the use of straws in the downtown Orlando area and eliminate people using plastic bags. It looks like I've seen it coming back though a little bit, I'm not gonna lie. But um, I think all of those movements are really good ones and I could totally get behind it. Um, we're gonna take a few seconds break uh, just to acknowledge our, our sponsor and then we'll be right back. All right. Back to our show. Again, it's all about internships, remembering someone that gave us a chance, the future of work. Um, but I think you were going to say something, Anna. What was it that you were going to say? About the internships? Oh, no, about ideas for us. Oh, Don't ideas for us. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, ideas for us. Yeah, it's. I think I was surprised when I came to Orlando and I found this organization. It was pleasing to me to know what um, they have done and how rapidly they have uh, raised awareness in the community uh, with the uh, fleet farming, yes. with their yes. podcasts, with all the initiatives. I think it's really important because they are really getting into the uh, heart of the community and the community is enjoying. It's, it's not that they are uh, asked to do something that they don't like. I think the way that idea is approaching and teaching them uh, to live and and strive for a more sustainable community is great. Um, and you know, I just love the work that the, that they do, and I think that that's an example of an organization that should be uh, growing in everything, every community in the U.S. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, it's uh, what Chris says: lead by example. 
think that's yes. his, uh, yes. <laughs> it's uh, Clayton uh, Lewis Ferreira. That's who runs it. So um, he's the executive director there. So again, you know, I'll I'll see what I can do to you know help expand. But it sounds like you're kind of plugged into a lot of our community. I I, I know ideas for us, and um, I've attended a couple of their uh, their events. Um, and I think they are branching out now to support some businesses with energy initiatives and waste initiatives. So I think, uh, of course, there is always um, opportunities for, for collaboration. And that's the important piece for any sustainable community that we all work together towards the same goals. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what would a typical day look like for an intern to work with you in your business? It will be a combination of research, because for me, research is pretty important. It's kind of the foundation to give us ideas of where things are going, what's the latest innovation. I, I, I like looking at learning, looking at technology developments, how we can resolve issues, um, then turning that research into applied methodologies that we can um, that we can use to rapidly deploy it into uh, different companies, help them resolve, you know, run this gap analysis, identify where are the opportunities and then have more, um, prepare a plan for them. Like planning is key, it's important. So an intern has to be very enthusiastic, passionate, transparent because we are managing data. We manage data from design materials. So it's, you know, sensitive mm -hmm. data. So um accountable uh eager to learn and even if it's from a design background eager to learn the science to mm -hmm. to then take uh, decisions and other things so um and you know be curious i think curiosity is one of the things that i love from people because that will take them to the next level where they can explore their own potential and provide uh ideas so brainstorming, because I come from a design background, I used to have my board full of sticky notes with ideas and create all these mind maps. And it was less through my sustainability career, but I still use that as an opportunity for me to know how to plan for a project and what would be the best approach. So mm -hmm. um, that's, that's how a day of an intern could be with me. It sounds like a fun time. Robin has a question for you. Yes. So um, what do you predict the future of your industry and um, job opportunities will look like five years from now? Well, very positive. And I'm glad it's happening because we're seeing a change from only the sustainability things to more the material management and uh, reducing waste. Mm -hmm. um, the future is going to be on quick applications. Everyone is kind of tired of speaking the same language, hearing the same buzzwords. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone is on board, fully on board of what things mean and what um, has to be done. Everyone wants to see solutions. So the future is gonna take on energy, uh, management of materials and reducing waste. Okay. Um, what would you say was uh, the best mentoring advice you received from someone or what advice do you wanna pass on to others? 
having a good mentor as an intern is super important. And, you know, we come in and we have like years of knowledge and wisdom that we've been attaining. So I'm sure you've heard great, had received great advice and you can even give different advice too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the, the best mentor, it's that person that could um, help you develop your own skills and, you know, kind of setting a path for you, uh, providing some uh, foundations to learn about things that obviously are um, in demand in the market, but also giving you the opportunity to find your own place in finding the skills, developing the skills that you feel more comfortable with and um, just going for that. I think another important piece that I learned from one of my mentors, it's that networking is key and it's important. And I don't see networking just as a social hour anymore. I see networking today as a learning experience and a growing experience because um, if we continue working in silos in, in our own bubbles, things are not completed, things are not done and you don't learn. And the only way for us to, to learn is to get in and learn, you know, get the learning and experience from others and learning what others are doing to see if there is any synergies or um, complementary work that we could be doing together. So that networking is another key piece that I've learned in my, my career, especially as a business owner today without that nobody knows me I'm still I'm still working on building that foundation because I'm relatively new to the area and mm -hmm. you know being a women-owned business and starting your own business it's not easy especially when you come from a manufacturing uh, background and you work with companies that already trust you but because I was under a bigger company so now my name it's only my name and it's more difficult for me to attract those Fortune 500 companies that I used to work in the past. So it's mm -hmm. little mm -hmm. by little getting traction in and in, in going back. You should into always be networking, right? Because it doesn't matter. Um, it's always about meeting people because you never know if that one person, um, they can help you, but it's also if you can help them. And it's about that relationship. So, right. Well, I want to thank you for being on our show, but how can our listeners contact you? Tell us your website, your social channels, if you want them to connect with you on LinkedIn or, you know, how, how can people find you? Sure. Yeah, they can go to my website, www.amlysustainability.com. They can also find um, on LinkedIn, they can find me on LinkedIn as Amli Cole and um, also a Facebook page at Amli Sustainability. And um, I think we'll be uh, getting our YouTube channel uh, running soon. I have a lot of uh, uh, things to share with designers that um, I'm eager to, uh, you know, to give to them to help them be better. So that YouTube channel will come soon and most likely it's going to be another Amelie Sustainability in YouTube. <laughs> That's great. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. I have enjoyed getting to know you better and look forward to meeting you more over at the Avalon Innovation Center. Um, I also want to thank Robin for being here on the show. This is yeah. Robin's uh, last show. So 
very happy. She's done a great job. And I'm going to give a little shout out to Ian and Ashley, who are our editors also. Um, so as we are getting ready to say goodbye, if you have any interest uh, of learning more about Intern Pursuit, be sure to visit our website, internpursuit.tech. Thank you, Anna. Thank you so much. You can. Thank you. And happy holidays to everyone. Okay. Same to you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.